Let's go, let's go. You're a beast. You're a tiger. Let's reach those goals. You got this. So in three, two, one, here we go. Yes, yes. All right. This is episode 103. Before we begin, we just like to say here, if you're looking for a way to reach some goals, if you're looking for some maybe extra tips or extra strategies and some motivation, we recommend getting the Goal Mastery Planner. Uh, it's available on Amazon right now, or you can go to GoalMasteryPlanners.com to take a look at more info to see what it's like. G-O-A-L-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y-P-L-A-N-N-E-R-S.com. This episode, I'm really looking forward to it. We're speaking to Jay. He uh, He's now working on uh, Wall Street in the financial district of New York, and um, He's uh, had some struggles along the way. He um, didn't think he'd make it, but he made it a big goal of his, and it was an, a, definitely a struggle. And if you stay tuned and listen to this interview, you'll see that um, it's, it was a heck of a journey, but he believed in himself, and he got there. And he gives some tips along the way for anyone who's also interested in trying to get into that field or trying to get into New York City like that. And it's a, it's a, it's a heck of an interview, and I really look forward to... Um, playing it for you and hopefully you look forward to listening to it and let us know how it goes all right um i'm so happy to be here with uh we're gonna call you jay or jay money uh, we're in the financial district of new york uh just to give a quick background um i i spoke with uh, jay a little while ago and i don't know how else to put this but you basically told me that when you were in uh college you, you weren't that good of a student but now you've made it pretty far. I mean, we're up in New York City in the financial district, and I think uh, you're definitely reaching a lot of your goals. So I thought it was important for you to come on the podcast. What do you What do you think? Yeah, thank you for having me, first of all. I appreciate you thinking about me, and I know you've been with me along this entire transition for me, even going from you know meeting you back at our undergrad in Montclair all the way to where we are right now. So I definitely appreciate it. Yeah. No problem, man. It's been it's been uh, pretty awesome to hear your uh, your progress. So I think uh, it's good to share it with other people so that they can see what it's like, or you know, maybe get something out of it. Sure. So, what do you want me to start? You want me to talk about like my background, how I was in Montclair? Yeah, just yeah. From the beginning. Yes, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay, sure. So, started out Montclair State. I was. 17 years old when I uh, was a freshman, so I was very immature. My first two years, I pretty much didn't focus on my academics, and my GPA suffered. Was a poor student, and right when I started to get into my junior year and transition into that year, I realized that I got to get my act together. I need to get a job, an internship, and I got to start you know, doing better in school. And that's when I joined AKSI, met my partner over here. And um, just being around so many driven individuals just led me to setting more and more goals. And I actually made my goals even bigger and said, listen, I'm going to work for a bank or a firm on Wall Street within the technology sector. And I was able to do that. And in doing that, I realized that I liked finance more. Mm-hmm. And I decided to switch focus out of technology and into finance. So uh, for people who don't know, what, what would be like the technology side of um, Wall Street? Like what, what does that entail? 
first I worked on the infrastructure side. So that means that you work with computer systems, computer hardware. So I started out working at desktop support. So that's basically whenever you have problems with your computer, someone's coming to your desk to fix it. But we also had to support financial systems and financial applications as well. Okay. But um, just to backtrack a little bit. So if you weren't doing so hot in school, how did you manage to get a, um, a job or an internship, or whatever you said this was, um, on Wall Street? Sure. So it was just taking small steps at a time. So the first thing I did was I got a job on campus in Montclair's IT department. So my goal was to get as much experience as I can so that when I start to apply to these companies on Wall Street and these financial services firms, that I'll become, you know, more competitive, right? Because I'm competing against other schools for these same jobs. So my goal is to put as much experience in my resume as possible. So I started out at Montclair's IT department. Then I got an internship that was non-paid in the summertime right. to put some more experience on my resume. Right. And then after about so then the next semester when I started applying, I have two jobs. One I was already working on and uh, at the IT department, I was already progressing in. And then I already had an internship under my belt. Yeah. So from there, I started to get noticed. You know, I, I find it interesting because um, I'm glad you mentioned that it was a non-paid internship. And I feel like a lot of people, there's so many students out there, myself included, when I was uh, in undergrad, where I felt like I just had to work because I wanted to pay my school, my tuition as I went along because I didn't want debt. I didn't realize the value of working for free. I mean, it's amazing because when you hear all these different speakers on YouTube or on podcasts, they'll always tell you, you got to earn it. You got to work for free because, you know, you have to show people how bad you really want it. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the best ways to show that is by working for free. And I know there's some people out there listening who are like, well, it's impossible to work for free. I got to pay for this. I got to pay for that. But the reality is that's what true sacrifice is, you know, and, and, and to do something like a free internship. And, you know, I really wish I took that to heart when I was in undergrad, and I didn't, and you know, it probably affected me in some way, shape, or form. I'm, I mean, I'm super happy with where I'm at in life now, but it's definitely um, something I should have uh, paid more attention to. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm glad that you say that um, you did the the non-paid internship. You know, exactly. People are willing to take a chance on you if it doesn't cost them anything. Right, right. So right, it's right, a lot right. easier to get in. So it's a lot easier for me to get in at a firm and, and working in technology to gain more experience, even though I've never done it before, because I wasn't getting paid anything. So for them, it's just nothing but upside. As long as you don't screw up badly, where you're actually, you know, messing up their systems and, and, and messing up their work, they will always find, you know, some use for you so that you can make yourself, um, you know, useful for them. Where pretty much. I mean, if you're not getting paid, that's nothing but upside for them. And if it works out, hey, they'll hire you. Right. You're pretty expendable, pretty much. I mean, so it's like if they like you, then they can keep you. And if not, it didn't hurt them any bit whatsoever. It, it didn't affect them in any way. So, right. okay, I yeah. see that. All right. So you, so you got into the IT industry, I guess, after you graduated or? Yes. Yeah, so I got, so when I after I did that internship, I applied to uh, many different different firms. I interviewed, and I basically got a, a very compelling offer, and I took it. Okay. And that one started now 
So also not to backtrack a little bit, another thing that I did was I stayed in school for another year. Okay. And what I uh, so basically I stayed in school for another year. And what you just do? so I could work in the at this internship for wow. longer and get okay. more experience. All right. So if I could just cut you off for a second, see that's awesome because while some people are in such a rush to be done with school and say I don't want to take any more classes or whatever, you were willing to take another year under your belt, another cost of tuition just so that you can do another internship because you realized that your resume or whatever your portfolio was not that impressive. So you had to step back and take another year of schooling just so that you can make yourself a more desirable candidate for these companies. Exactly. It's a lot easier to get an internship than a full-time job. Someone's going to take more of a chance on you just like for the unpaid internship. Right. Right. Okay. All right. And so, okay, you can go on from there. Okay. So, Basically from there, so I only had, I was only taking maybe at this time, maybe one or two classes a semester because I was just trying to prolong my graduation date and have this (laughs) internship. Mm -hmm. So this internship started in January and then I pretty much just stayed on for my last semester working at this company. And then when I graduated, I continued working for them. But around this time, I kind of already figured that I wanted to work in finance and IT wasn't in the right area. And the firm also knew that as well. But they let me stay on as an intern, even though I graduated and I continued to work for them all throughout the summer until I found a job in finance. Okay, cool. Okay. And so so now you have this job in, in IT and then you're trying to get into finance. I'm trying to get into finance. So right now I'm competing with... Um, you know, other people who's been interviewing or who's been working or had internships in finance their entire school year. So just like I was building up my resume in IT, people were already doing that in finance, setting mm-hmm. themselves up. So they were naturally job. ahead of you. So they're already ahead of me. So I had to, I knew I had to get a, a lot of ground just to be competitive. Right, right. So I started taking, looking online and see where I could take free classes or free workshops that's geared towards financial services, markets, anything mm-hmm. financial, anything I could put on my resume that had numbers on it. Right. Um, I I took that course or a workshop. Okay. And at the same time, I was reading finance books. I was reading about the markets. I was reading the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, so every single day. Would it be safe to say that you are now working harder than you did while you were in college? Most definitely. So while most people, you know, as soon as they're done with college, they have a job, they decide, you know what, let me kick my feet up and let me just work. I'm done with school. I'm done with trying to work hard and I'm just going to work because I already did the schooling part. No more schooling for me. You did the opposite. You turned it up. Turned it up. And at this point, even though I had an internship, it still wasn't a full-time job. Right. So I knew that, you know, I was in a lucky position where I could continue to work, which also helped me out in my favor because you're... You don't realize it, but you are a little more desirable if you're already working than if I would have said, hey, guys, I'm quitting this job just so I could focus on finance full time. It would have been harder because now I'm looked at as someone who's unemployed after graduation. So I was able to spin a lot of the things that I was doing at the job and say, hey, I'm working with traders every day. I'm working with portfolio managers. I'm working with analysts. I'm interviewing them every day. I'm learning more about the job and what I want to do and why I want to do it. And I was able to convey that well on an interview so it made to a more compelling story right and i mean i think that's uh important to mention because uh a lot of times people are like oh man i wasted my time doing this no you always find the value in anything you do find the value and then you can spin it however you need to 
to whoever you're applying with or interviewing with to show that there was value in what you did and that it wasn't a waste of time. Right. And that's pretty much what you're telling me, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's, see, like sometimes people feel like they wasted the time. And I always tell people that everything you do has a purpose and you got to give value to it. Never downplay, never undermine anything you've done because it's all going to lead to something else if you really wanted to. You know, mm -hmm. any, anything you've worked on, anything you've done in life can contribute to something better, but you just got to think of it in a positive aspect and don't be like, oh, I just wasted my time doing this and that. Exactly. And even helping me, I still talk about it still to this day. When I'm interviewing, hey, I worked in IT, didn't like it, switched over to finance. I mean, yeah. it's, it's part of mm -hmm. my story now. And, um, you know, I even contribute that to helping me out where I am today. Okay. So about where you are today, I mean, um, since I already know your story, but the audience doesn't, let, let's talk about like, um, like where you are and like how you got there in terms of, uh, you know, you're in the New York City financial district right now. And so, yes, know, so that's pretty awesome. So I'm currently a second year MBA student at Georgetown University McDonough School of Business. Nice. So the way uh, MBA program works for full time, you you go to school for one year, mm -hmm. and then during the summertime, you're expected to get an internship in your intended field or intended position that you want to go into when you graduate. After your internship, you go through a second year, and if you like where you were at and you got a return offer, you could just you know sign and just have a easier second year where you just focus on your academics. Or you re-recruit if you didn't like your internship or company or you wanted to focus on something differently during your second year. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you're done. It's a two-year program. Right. That That's great. But we need to backtrack because you said you just got into Georgetown's master's degree program for business. Right. That's not, that's not easy to get into. I mean, there may be some people out there listening who um, may not know exactly what, like, I mean, you know, it's impressive. Let's be real. It's impressive. It was hard to get into. I can't imagine what you went through to get it. So can you just talk about that a little bit, that process? Because I think that that was crucial to your success now. And I really think it's important for you to talk about that. Sure. Um, well, in order for me to talk about that, I have to talk about all of my failures because I definitely failed a lot okay. along the way there. I had definitely more failures than successes. Mm -hmm. So when... I knew that I wanted to work in finance and because I don't have an undergrad degree in finance, I knew that somewhere down the line, I would want to go back to school and get a degree that's more focused on finance. So when I first got my job in financial services at Citigroup, I actually started almost prepping to do a part-time MBA. So I was studying for my GMAT. I was getting recommenders together because I knew that this was always on the horizon for me. But I still didn't really know too much about MBA programs. I just said, hey, I'll, I'll just do a part-time while I'm working here at Citigroup in operations. And then when I'm done, I can switch over to more of a front office role. So uh, I applied to certain to certain schools at that point. A lot of people don't know this, but I, I tried applying to Rutgers, Baruch, and Pace's part-time programs. But at this point, um, I took the GMAT once and I didn't do too well on it. And my GPA was already mediocre. I didn't have that much work experience. Um, and I got rejected from all three schools, part-time program. And how did that feel being rejected? Uh, it was bad. I mean, I worked hard. Obviously, when you're working and applying to these schools, you work long and hard in these applications. 
at one point I was even laughed off the phone from uh, speaking to Rutgers admissions department. Oh my gosh. Uh, Cause I was trying to get into a program that it wasn't even their full-time, their part-time program. It was just a program that prepped you for it. Right. And if you did well there, you could transfer your credits to the MBA program. And they wouldn't even let me in that. She kind of laughed me at the phone and said, yeah, you need to get your GMAT score higher. Um, you're not a good fit for this program. Wow. So your credentials were not even good enough for a preparatory program. It's essentially exactly. what you're it wasn't even good for this wow, preparatory right. program. So if that doesn't feel like failure and doesn't, doesn't feel like a punch in the gut or a reality check, then I don't know what does. Yeah. So my so what I did was is I stepped aside from the whole MBA process at that point. And I said, you know what? Let me just focus on my career and let me try to get in a better spot on my own. So that's when I said, okay, what's going to make it more marketable? And I said, okay, if I get another a license. So I looked at the different license I can get, and I saw the Series 7 was very prestigious. And you could make um, a transition over to like a middle office role. And it seems like you're more serious about your career. Okay, so, a middle office role. A middle office. And um, so basically the way banks work, if you're on the sales and trading side, is you have the front office traders who are the revenue producers. Then you have the middle office and they support the traders and help them with trade bookings and trade reconciliations. And then you have the back office that actually settles the trade. So I was working in the back office. And at this point in time, all I knew was the trading world. So I was more geared on being a trader. Okay. So I was trying to work my way up from the back office to the middle office and then maybe try applying again to these schools. Right. And so basically my goal was just to, see where I can get on my own. So I spoke to my manager. Um, I was able to get sponsored for the Series 7. I took the test, studied hard for it. Made, I only knew I had one shot to pass it because I didn't need it for my role. I passed the test. And as yes. soon as I passed it, I yes. said, okay, I'm going to just start focusing on internal positions within my firm because it might be easier to transition. Right. So for one year, I applied, uh, applied and interviewed internally within my firm. So for one year, I had five interviews and I lost all five positions. Oh, my gosh. One year. Right. And then shortly afterwards, I said, you know what? Let me start opening now my spectrum to externally. Because I'm like, OK, I can't move around my firm. It's, it's too tough. Yeah. So let me uh, try to um, just broaden my horizon a little bit. So I started interviewing externally, too. Still wasn't getting anything. And then that's a lot of failures. It's a lot of failures. And then to add more to it, um, my manager brought my whole team into a room and told us that we're all losing our jobs and that our group was being moved to Buffalo because when you're in the back office, you're not a revenue producer, you're a cost. So basically what they try to do is cut the cost as much as possible by moving right. jobs to cities that, you know, right. basically have low costs. So for people to hear this, revenue producers are on the financial side. The costs are the management so it's, information it's, it's, side. It's, it's, still, it's still finance side. So I was still working in finance. I was still working with numbers. I was working with trades. I was working with traders. But because you're not generating revenue, like, for example, sales and traders, they're the ones that are client-facing, right? They're speaking with the client. They're make they're able to trade on behalf of the firm and trade on behalf of the client to make okay. money. Okay. Right. So when you're in operations, all you're doing is settling those trades that the traders done. Right. Right. You're just following orders, making sure that what they said was supposed to happen happens. Okay. So you're just moving money and securities, okay. pretty much. Mm -hmm. So it's a good place to start, um, but 
if you do it for long enough, it's harder to, harder to get out. So what happened after he talked to everyone and said they're all losing their jobs? What happened so, to you? Obviously, so with me, I honestly didn't sweat it too much because I knew I was in the job market for a long time. Okay. So I probably would have. I was like, okay, I got to hit the ground running now. Like I got to work on my resume. Like, you know, sometimes it takes like about a month for you to start getting some traction with interviewing and stuff. Okay. So at this point, I've already been interviewing for over a year. Okay. So I was like, I just got to continue doing what I'm doing. Right. I'm right, in the right, right. spot. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so there's an expression that I love to say, and it's, uh, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. That's and right. you stayed ready. I was you were already you were already doing it. So you, it. you weren't scared while other people might be scared because they weren't expecting it. They weren't ready. But exactly. you stayed ready so you don't have to get ready. That's right. I love it. I love That's it. That's right. You got it. Okay, cool. And so, all right. So how'd you get into the program? And Yeah, so then from there, um, you know, I had a little breakthrough and I got an offer for a job outside of Citigroup. And... It so happened that I interviewed for another job because I was um, in a position where I was losing my job. My manager was trying to help certain people get jobs within the firm. So I interviewed for another position, but it wasn't operation. So it wasn't more of my fit. So I ended up taking the job that was externally, which was one of the best things I could have done. And from there, I said, okay, what else could I do? And I decided to go for my CFA. Okay. So again, I still put the, C- the MBA in a back burner. I was like, CFA is cheaper. I don't want to have all these student loans. What's a CFA for those of us who don't know? So you're a chartered financial analyst. Okay. So right. it's basically it has three levels. You have level one, two, and three. It's a six-hour exam. Oh, I had to put almost 100 hours at least of studying for your level one. Okay. Right. So I studied for months for that, took the test, failed it. Mm. And when you take this test, it costs like a couple thousand, more than a couple thousand dollars. Oh my you're taking gosh. the class, you're taking the test. All right, so, so you're <laughs> let me get this right. So you, st- you, so you put up like three Gs to take a test that you studied over 100 hours for. And this was just for the first step of just the test. Just for the first step of the test. And you failed it. And I failed it. Okay. Oh, man. So, of course, me, I'm like, okay, let me try this again. Mm-hmm. Try it again. Um, the, the school I was working with, they even gave me a discount the second time around because I took it the first time. They felt for you. They felt for they you. Felt for me. Like, okay, this kid's trying. He's trying. <laughs> right. So I go through all the studying again, pay all this money again, and then I fail it again. Wait, wait, what? So you failed it the second I time? the second time. No, no, no success story here. Oh. <laughs> I failed the second time. Okay. Um, at, but at this time, you know, things are still going well with my job, um, and I, I'm getting a lot of experience. Um, but I still needed more. Like I still, it still wasn't where I wanted to be at. Right. Right. So after failing it a second time, I was like, okay, I, I got to make a drastic move. I remember I was looking at LinkedIn and I found a page from an old uh, buddy of mine that I went to high school with and I started working in private equity. Okay. So I'm like, wow, private equity. So I wonder what, what he did, what schools did he go to? So right. I looked at right. in his resume and I saw that um, right after undergrad, he went to um, another I'm sorry, right after high school, he started at a school, I forgot the name of it, but then he transferred him to another school, Georgetown University. Okay. And from Georgetown, he worked at Goldman Sachs okay. in, like a, uh, in like a front office role. Right. And then from there, for two years, he switched into private equity. 
Wow. Okay. So I was like, wow, I need something like a, a, a strong brand school on my right, brand. right. Because like, my still wasn't gonna cut it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 definitely harder. You have to go to a, a, one of these core schools or one of these schools that these bands go and recruit at. Okay. So I was like, I need something like this to to kind of change the way my my career trajectory. I mean, nothing's going right. Right. Everything I'm trying now, I'm just failing at it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, you know what, let me try looking at programs to see if, see if this is feasible, what part-time programs are open for these schools. Okay. And I looked at them and I was like, how am I going to travel to D.C. for a part-time program? I looked at Cornell's programs, how am I going to travel to Ithaca for their part-time program? Right. So I said, okay, maybe I need to just quit my job right. and, and go to school full-time. So I started looking more and more into this. And then the more I looked into it, the more I just felt like that's what I need to do. I need okay. to make such a drastic change where I need okay. to quit my job two years. So essentially you're saying that you would have to stop working full time, stop making a paycheck so that you can go back to school full time so that you and can take on loads of loads of debt. Six and take on extra loads of debt up to about six figures. Now, what most of uh, our audience doesn't know is at this point in time, you're already married. I am married, right. And so for you to make this decision where you're going to have to go to one of these more prestigious universities, that means you're going to have to move out of your comfort zone or move out of where you currently are right. in your marriage. How did that affect your marriage? How did that go? I mean, yeah, like, I mean, initially when I was trying to look at the part-time programs, I remember speaking to my wife, I was like, oh, maybe I can stay at a hotel or something like that. I don't know. I was trying to work it out somewhere. And okay. I was like, I don't think that's going to work out. Like, how is that going to work? And then when I said, okay, I'm going to try to find full-time programs in this area, I just had to, you know, keep speaking with her over time. This doesn't happen overnight. Like I didn't just right, do right. all this research in one day. This took, this is over a period of months. Okay. I was talking to my wife, speaking to, you know, my father, other family members, okay. friends, and just trying to get more perspective and, and making sure that I'm making the right decision here if I'm going to spend all this money on school. And then once I realized that I'm just going to target, you know, the top, if I said, if I'm going to quit my job, it has to be a, a top 30 business. It's got to be legit. And you said to top 30 in the U.S., top 30, right? Yeah, U.S., that, that was my, so I just basically looked at U.S. news rankings and looked at there's um, top one through 30 schools and said, okay, I'm going to pick maybe 10 schools out of these to apply to. Okay. Because if I get into any one of these schools, it'll be worth it for me to yeah. quit my job. And then talk about, yeah, I mean, if you can get into these schools, your foot is in the door to most foot, financial right. companies. To right? most financial companies and I can enter their recruiting okay. process. And me. ultimately achieving your goal of working in the financial sector. Exactly. So this though was, in order to do this though, I had to overcome my biggest hurdle was passing standardized tests, which I'm not good at. First right. time to the GMAT, I did so bad at it, I got laughed off the phone. Uh, yeah. So, but at this point, I realized that schools were taking another test called the GRE. Right, right, right. Right. So I realized, hey, there's something, it's a different test. Let me mm-hmm. try this out. I, I, you know, I might, it might work out for me. So I took a practice test online for the GRE. This is why I'm still looking at schools. Still right. don't know what I'm doing yet. And then I get, in the 30th percentile. I mean, it doesn't sound high, but that, that's that's good for me. Especially for you when you're saying that you're not a good standardized test taker and you've, test we've taker. already discussed you failing on some other exams. So, right. so this must have felt great. This is me. This is me. I've been studying for one, I studied for one week, right? Just like just preparing on, you know, just how to just take tests. Okay. And I got 30%, which is still horrible for applying to these schools, but right. it meant that Mm-hmm. I have a chance of climbing to get to this 50, 60 percent, sure, sure. 70, 80, where I wanted to be at sure. five of these schools. Okay. So from there, I just started looking at these programs. I made a short list of programs I wanted to apply to. 
I enrolled in the GRE course. Okay. So this is already, you know, I already made a decision. This is the route I want to go full-time MBA program. So I started taking GRE courses. And at the same time, I just started doing extensive amount of research about how to what, by best position myself to get in these schools. I had no help. I really didn't have anyone to follow because I have no, no anyone who's ever went to a full-time MBA program like this on this level. So I pretty much just internet and also when you're going through the different schools and you're going through their programs and visiting them you're going to meet people who are in your same shoes and you're going to learn from them right so it's also part of networking so i went to like um for example uh cornell had a program where you go to the school you stay there for two days you learn about your classmates you learn about you know their program you know what opportunities you have for them um, or not for them, more opportunities you have for yourself from, from going to their school and yeah. you can meet people be networking professors and everything. So, um, all right. Tell us how you got into Georgetown. Sure. So I applied to four schools, um, and I got rejected from all four schools. Oh man. Georgetown more rejection. So, more yeah. rejection. So oh, Georgetown man. was on my list. So I applied to Georgetown. I applied to a couple other schools. Uh-huh. Um, I think I applied to Yale, maybe a couple other schools on, on the list. Yeah. And Georgetown, though they they did interview me, so I will say that I did get to at that least point. you got to the point. I where got to the point where I interviewed. Yeah. So I was okay. I'm, I'm making some type of traction here, but at the same time, I, I knew that I was I still needed more work on my standardized test. Right. I even told the schools that, but Georgetown, the way their scheduling was, they couldn't wait for me to take the test again. So they kind of just interviewed me and then and then denied me. Okay. Wow. Um, I applied to Cornell. They they because they have a rolling program, a, a rolling admissions. They gave me time to take the test. So they interviewed me and even they let me take it again. And then they eventually waitlisted me. But Georgetown just denied me where I was at. They're like, yeah, it's not, it's right. not good. Right. Um, and then I got th- then I got denied everywhere else. And mind you, this is my second time now taking the GRE. Okay. Okay. Man. So I got denied everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, no, let me take my GRE again. So I take it a third time. And while, every time I take it, my score is just inching up. It's not even <laughs> jumping up. It's like inching up. Yeah, right but now. it's progress, right? But it's and it gave you hope, right? And at this point, I already took one class. Um, I tried another program. It was Each program, you're spending like $500 or something. Yeah, like yeah, so yeah. I took another program. My score inched up. <laughs> and then on the sixth time, I took this test six times. Um, I, whoa, 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 wait, how many times? Six times the jury. Whew. Okay, keep going. So every time, I remember the first time I took it, I scored so low, I, I said, I'm not going to school. <laughs> I got to reset my goal. I'm going to try to see if <laughs> Change again. Your goals, man. <laughs> because I was like, I can't come Ooh, back. Man. It, it was yeah. too low. All but right. basically, I kept taking over again. Okay. Kept at the same time doing research on school, speaking to alumni, speaking to current students. Like, they want to see that you want to go to yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do all you your research. It, right? You got to visit these schools. So eventually, the sixth time I took it, um, I still, I still wasn't where I was wanting to be at, but it was still at a good spot. Okay. It was a good spot. I was okay. I'm going to have a chance from applying to these schools at this level, especially because my quant score was right where I wanted it to be at. Okay. And I these schools look at that. And then I spoke with my wife and I said, you know what, let's take a trip down to and visit all these schools. So they see that I'm serious. So we took wow. a week off from work. Yeah. So you went face And to we face. drove to, you know, North Carolina. We drove to uh, DC. Right. To we drove all around for a week. Because you wanted to put a face to the name on the paper. Put, exactly. So I went to speak to admissions office. I was emailing them, nice. I was, you know, meeting them face to face. You got to, they want to see this. And they actually marked down every touch point you have with them. 
them. Wow. And that was my problem. The first time I applied is that I didn't visit a lot of these schools. But okay. even Georgetown, I didn't even I just went to one, I think it was a conference call with students and that was it. So they were okay. like, Oh, who's this guy? Yeah, yeah. So um I said, Okay, let me try it again. Uh let me try it one more time. Cause I know that one thing I had against me was my age too. So I knew that, you know, the average age of an MBA is twenty eight and I was thirty two. Okay. So I knew that the clock was ticking. So I was like, okay, I only have one more chance at this. And so I didn't want to leave too much to chance. So I even hired a um uh, a MBA consultant. A consultant to help <laughs> oh my me out. goodness. But yeah, I'm paying more money now. Yeah. Wow, this story. But, and I said, you know what? Let me apply to six schools now instead okay. of four. Let me really go all out with right, this. Right, right. Right. Okay. So I applied to six school, hired a consultant, said, Okay, I think this is why I got rejected, but I want to hear your opinion first. So he looked at my application, he's like, Yeah, you're right. He said, you got to get your test scores a little better, which you have, but this is how you could tweak your story. He's like, your GPA is not doing, is not, is not in a good spot. It's not terrible, but he said it's still not good. So I tackled that head on. So he basically gave me some strategic points to make my application more competitive. Right. Okay. All right. All right. So let's get to, uh, man, I'm so like, I want to hear how you got there. I mean, like you're telling me it, but I just want to hear you being there already. So what happened? So, okay. So to... Make a long story short, I apply again to all these schools, and the first school I hear back, and I applied for round one. So round one meaning I applied in um, like August. Right? Okay. If you apply round one, it also shows that you're serious and that you really have your stuff together. So I applied round one, and then the first school I heard back from from Georgetown, I was sitting at work. Okay. And I get a call on my phone from a DC number, and I answer it, and it's admissions telling me that oh, hey, man. you got invited to. You know, admitted, admitted to Georgetown's full-time MBA. Wait, so they called you in while you're at work and told you you got admitted? I got admitted. Bro. Unbelievable. And, and Georgetown was the first one that rejected you the first time yeah, around. The first like, they were the instant rejection. Yeah, they were almost instant, right? Oh, my gosh. How did that feel? So, it just felt so good. It felt, you know what it felt like? You're so pursuit of happiness. Yeah, of course. I love that movie. Yeah, and tried not to cry. I couldn't work anymore. I literally just put the phone down. I just stared at my monitors. And I was like, I got to go. <laughs> and I just picked up the telephone, ran downstairs. And I called my wife first for the first time, uh, told yeah. her about it. Yeah. Then I called my parents and told them about it. And I knew that that's where I was going to go. Like, I didn't care about any of my other decisions. I think I was even talking, I was thinking about applying to, um, mm-hmm. I was in Duke's uh, process too. So they invited me to interview. Right. And I even called them. I was like, I'm canceling it. I'm pulling out the process. Wow. I'm like, why? What's going on? I was like, oh, I got accepted. My, my situation time. changed. I don't want to okay. be that far from my family. Right. And uh, I mean, Georgetown was far enough. It's Georgetown was far enough, but out of all York. the schools I applied to, it was the best location. Yeah. Okay. All right. But um, so yeah, still far though. Yeah. Now maybe some people don't understand the excitement that you and I have about you getting into Georgetown. Aside from being one of the top thirty business schools for you know your MBA, mm-hmm. I mean, what doors did I open for you now? So what happened as a result of Georgetown's admission? Sure. So as soon as you get into a school, you're automatically part of their network. So I immediately just started testing it out and started reaching out to Georgetown alumni, and Georgetown current students, and to see like, you know, what's the best way I could position myself to get into my attended career. So at the time I was looking to get into equity research. I didn't want to do sales and trading anymore because that industry was is basically, it has this, uh, send like a downward trajectory right now in terms of it's being more computer focused, more right. algorithms and less people. 
So I learned that going through the whole recruiting process, which is great. So I said, let me focus on buy side equity research. So I started speaking to more um, alumni. I started, uh, you know, reaching out to alumni, different companies I would want to work for. And over the summertime, I had the opportunity to even speak to an alumni who recommended me to even look at investment banking. Okay. He said, I think you'll be a, a good fit for this industry. I didn't know too much about it at the time, so I just kept looking into it. Okay. So I ended up speaking to alumni of the banks and something, you know, and I ended up getting some traction. I was okay. like, wow, this is maybe something I should pursue because it seems like it's very interesting and it seems like I'll be a good fit for it. And let's be real, it's financially rewarding too. And it's very, <laughs> and it's financially, it's a very rewarding career. Uh-huh. And I decided to go through their rigorous recruiting process, which is one of the craziest process I've ever been through in my life. But because you've been through all the rigors of trying to get, you know, accepted into admissions and going through all these different obstacles, it seems like despite it being rigorous, you were ready for it. I was ready for it, right. I already failed at the CFA, but I still gained a lot of knowledge from studying. It wasn't wasted. See that? Again, we talked about this issue before about everything you do in life. Don't downplay it. Don't knock it and say, oh, that was a waste of time. Those CFA courses that you took in that exam, even though you failed it, you got the knowledge you needed so that when it came time to go through this process you were still able to it was a lot easier i was actually even helping out awesome. my classmates yeah like see? even with accounting even with my mba program when i was taking that accounting course uh-huh. um you know i knew a lot of it from going through the cfa program right. so even though i failed the test i passed my i did very well on accounting <laughs> when i started school right okay awesome awesome and so so you ended up working for from my understanding a top five uh, banking company in the U.S. and the top banking company for another country. Yeah, they're in uh, definitely in the top ten in, in the U.S. and they're the number one banking in, um, another, in another country. Right. Okay. Cool. So that's a big deal. It's a big deal, right? So I went through the recruiting process, uh, got an internship, in, and this is in, in New York City, right? In New York, right, as a summer associate, mm-hmm. and. Uh, did well during uh, my internship, and I got a return offer. Awesome. So for the audience who doesn't understand, a return offer means what? That means that you're getting an offer to return back after your second year of your MBA program to work for them full time. Congratulations. So you're in. So, so in. essentially you're in. So you, you you reached your goal. You got into the financial industry in a really nice sector, the investment sector, is it? Right. Investment banking. And so all your hard work paid off, (laughs) everything, those years and years of all those struggles, of all those failures, you got to where you wanted to go. You look like you're getting choked up right now. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely wasn't a straight path as some of my other colleagues and, you know, friends I I speak about and other uh, colleagues in the industry have, but... Um, it definitely was, you know, very rewarding right. because I had to go through all these twists and turns and so many failures where, you know, at a certain point I had to, I was asking myself, you know, when am I going to win something? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just failing all the time. I can't even right. get a job within my own company. Yeah. <laughs> but man, so this is like, this is a V win. It's not even a big win. It's like the win. It's you the did it. Win. You got it. Yeah. You got it. And this is where we are today. And this is why I'm interviewing you in New York City. That's right. In the financial district. This is my last week in New York. And then now I got to go back to D.C. this weekend to go back to school. I love your story. I'm so glad we had the time to speak about it. I mean, you know, you used to tell me about it, but you didn't go into the detail that you did now. And to see how you got here is amazing. And I'm 
and man, I'm so proud and excited about what just, you know, happened to you and for you to where you are now. That's a big deal. It's a, it's, I mean, I know you, you tend to be low key and laid back about it, but it, you know, you got to give yourself props. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. I'm definitely happy about it and I'm going to, you know, definitely work hard my second year, but try not to do too much in terms of, you know, overdoing it because at this point I know that, you know, just going into this industry, um, everyone's telling me that I got to just relax now, like, okay. just relax, take it in. Yeah. You know, I mean, cause it, I mean, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be stressful. When, when, but you wanted this. Go. You wanted this. Exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And now well, I guess my only problem is setting new goals. <laughs> I got to get some new goals. But I love this that. time I was chasing this one thing. Right, right. <laughs> but I don't want to stop. Okay. I, I right. And that's another thing I love that I hope the audience hears is it's just you never stop. You never stop. You set a goal. You're going to fail and you're going to fail and you're going to fail. But then eventually you get there no matter how hard it is. And it's that much more satisfying. But guess what? Once you get that goal, mm -hmm. it's time for some new goals. Right. And I think that's the most important thing about life is about always trying to set goals, always trying to aspire for more because that's what makes life worth living. That's what makes life so important and valuable is if you set yourself a goal. And I think the most important thing that people need to realize is when you don't set goals, that's when you feel a little bit less. That's when you feel like there's no value to your life. And that's when things can start heading in a negative direction. So you always want to set goals and you want to go after them. And you've been a perfect example of that. And so it's been a pleasure talking to you about it. But before we wrap up, I want you to like, just tell the audience and like, imagine you're talking to a kid or something or somebody who's struggling or somebody who doesn't think they have it in them to succeed. Like, can you say anything like inspirational to just, um, just, you know, have people who are listening to this, um, believe a little more in themselves, anything you can say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just don't stop. I mean, once you find out what you want to do and you know where you want to be in life, start setting small goals. Like you're not going to, just jump to say if you want to have a goal of being the CEO of your company you can't just tomorrow just apply to that job there's many steps that you need to take before you're qualified enough for that position so just start planning out each step that you need to take um, it's definitely doable don't let setbacks um, hold you back or deter you from your goal because you will have some if you're anyone like if you're like me um, and if you have a lot you have to just keep going you got to have perseverance so keep setting goals, have perseverance, even learn from others. If there's a, a certain track that you can follow that someone else has done, if someone paved the way before you, try to follow that, whatever it is. Um, there's like a certain blueprint for you to follow. If there's not, just trial and error, keep working through it. But the most important thing I think that I could tell you that I could take away from my story is perseverance. Because I could have quit so many times along the way say, listen, I have a good job. I might as well just continue on this track and just build a career and doing what I'm doing. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I love doing this interview. I mean, this is so exciting because you told me things that I didn't know about and it just makes me like, oh man, it's just like proud and, you know, super excited and impressed more than anything else. Like your perseverance, you just really showed what, it, what it's all about. So thanks. I appreciate the time, man. All right, and so that wraps up this interview, and I hope uh, the audience got to uh, learn a few things and maybe were inspired themselves because uh, you got to believe in yourself, and that's really what it's about. So uh, on that note, we'll talk uh, next time uh, for the next episode. All right, thank you. Have a good day.